everybody. This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the smash hit podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, mom reviews the Hulu, Hulu, mom reviews the Hulu (laughs) comedy series, Shrill. Let's bring mom in now. Hi, mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm great. I'm looking forward to your visit. Me too. I can't wait. (laughs) Although, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, well, I haven't been I very don't. good about that. I have to admit that the, this visit came on just like a, a blizzard all of a sudden. The plans were made, and you were coming in a few days, and suddenly I'm just oh, getting no, hit. it was at least a week. <laughs> well, I think a few days is a pretty good definition of a week. It was a week. No. Yeah. No. It was a week. Well. Well, and in well. fairness, you were saying, well, what if we come around the end of April, or maybe we should come later when the weather will be better, and then the next thing I hear, you just texting me say saying, that. we'll be there Thursday. That's exactly what you said. No, that is not exactly what, what I said was, we, we were going to come this week, and then I said, but then Merrick thought, your brother thought maybe next week would be warmer, so we, we could come then, and then you said something like, it doesn't matter, or we just decided the heck with it, and we're coming this week. So we're coming. We're coming. I see. Um, you know, you, I'm scrolling back through the text messages as you're oh uh, my God, saying you this. Can't do that. And you said, I haven't run this by dad yet, but Merrick and I were looking at the 21st through the 26th. Now you didn't specify the month. So all along, this is being cleared up for the first time on the air. All along, oh, I thought we were talking geez. about April. And now I realize you were talking about. Well, that, that was your assumption. Well, oh my well, well, we can stay home if you want. Maybe next time specify the month is all I'm saying. Oh, for God's sake. I would assume it was the month in which I was talking about mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're just being difficult. If you're going to be difficult, I, I have no interest in that, and we will stay in a hotel. I think the month could be specified next time. Let's, let's all just get on the same page as far as what month we're talking about next time. All right. All right. Well, let's get on the same page. It's March. We'll be there tomorrow. Yes, you will. Well, I'm looking forward to that, as you can tell. I can. (laughs) No, I really am. Um, And the kids will love having Merrick here. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. Leo Leo has just crushed my whole spirit. As soon as he sees my face, he says, where's Pappy? Where's Pappy? Yeah. (laughs) Which is what he calls dad. Um, Yeah. Well, uh, you're a part of his life. If you're a part of his life, you kind of get the regular treatment, which is, uh, I could take you or leave you. I mean, that's how he treats Anna and me. Yeah, well, Pappy doesn't get that. Yeah, well, dad, you know, as we've discussed, his level of engagement is not as high. Right? I think it's fair to say that. So when he pops up on the screen, it's it's like seeing a dragon. <laughs> you just don't expect it. Well, he's he gets awfully excited, you know. And it seems like you know, Daddy can say anything, and and Leo's quite delighted by anything, and well, he has no time for me at all. You know, we actually, to be serious for a second, we actually did have a talk about this the other day. And I noted that dad, dad never asks Leo anything. 
you know, um, and I don't say that as a criticism, dad just, you know, he kind of goofs around and maybe sometimes he does, but mostly it's just, it's about laughing at, at Leo and giving him a little nugget. Whereas, uh, you know, most people, yourself included, I do this to him every day. I ask him what happened at school today? What, you know, et cetera. He never has an answer for me because that question is like, you know, the way they perceive time is so different and he just really can't think of what they did in school today. That's not enough of a conversation starter for him. So I think it's, it's a big obligation for him when you ask those questions. And I think that dad just doesn't really do that. And so he's an easier lift for Leo. Well, I'd like to think that, you know, by the time Leo's five, we could have a, a sort of a conversation. I'm just trying to set the, uh, you know, set the groundwork for having a, a little bit of a conversation. And there is a social contract that, that requires that. I think you're absolutely right to speak to them the way that you do for just the reason that you said. Yeah, like he needs to be asked those questions and like this is how people engage. But and I think by five, you will be having those conversations. But he's three right now. And that's where I think his mind is right now. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I like I said, I ask those questions. You got to engage him that way. But he's just not locking into it quite yet. Well, even when I ask him about his trains, he doesn't pay any attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, we've had a lot of train talk and, and, you know, my, the best thing that I can say is what, what stop do you get off to go to gymnastics and it's Paulina, which I know, uh, but you know, how many times can we talk about that? Well, as you know, he can talk about it endlessly and he can answer the same questions about the trains endlessly, which train goes in the tunnel, red line or brown line. He'll always, he'll always give you something for that one. The answer is red line, in case you're wondering. Well, he sometimes gets it wrong. <laughs> he does. Again, he is three, and he loves you, and he will engage more and more as time goes on. Well, I'm going to come in the house blazing Tootsie Pops, so... Oh, great. <laughs> Get ready. No, I said to Merrick, I packed um, my bag, but then I looked in my pocketbook, and it's just full of candy. So I said, I think I'm going to try to fashion a bra out of Twizzlers or something because, uh, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of candy. In there. Mm. Um, oh my God. What? I went to Goodwill today to try to get a, a jean jumper so that I could embroider on it. You know, I have this idea. I have this book of, of things to color and it has like cute little kitties pooping like gas farting, farting. That's the word. Uh huh. Pooping gas, like, yeah. And so I went in to embroider this on, on a jumper to, to wear because I thought it was very funny. And uh, they had nothing. They had no jean anything except pants. And they were all in the wrong um, sizes and everything. It was very frustrating. It was a very frustrating trip to Concord. And I got a parking ticket and 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 I got a parking ticket while I was in the bagel store getting bagels and salads for dinner and I left the bagels at the bagel store. Ah, uh, cause you got the ticket or just, uh, just a bad no. day for you. It just was a very weird, not great day. So. Oh, well, I'm glad we can cap it off with a podcast recording, which is always fun. Always fun. Always fun. And I think I'm going to make your mood a little happier about this. <sighs> about what? About this show. 
about this show. Yes. Uh, Mom detected in our pre-show conversations that I was not uh, thrilled with today's topic, but we'll get to that. There, um, it demands a more involved conversation. Uh, I will say that I will from henceforth be referring to farting as pooping gas, which I just think no. is brilliant. Yep. That was a mistake. That was a mistake on my part. And I meant farting. Pooping gas. That's, no. that's what it is. Couldn't have put it better myself, and I won't. <laughs> um, hey, have you got the March Madness, Mom? No, I don't have the March Madness. I, I, I have no idea why they don't put this on at night when people who might care. I mean, really, anybody that really cares about this, what, is in college themselves and has mm-hmm. nothing to do in the afternoon or you know, it takes Judge Judy off the off the television. I, I, yes. And here is the rub. That is the rub. I am not the least bit interested in March madness. And why does it, why isn't it on at night? Well, it is, but there's a lot of games to play. They've got 63 games to play in just a couple of weeks. Well, so, you know, they're going to get Do through. we have to see every one of them? I don't. Well, a lot of people get very, it's very exciting for people to follow. I, they used to have it on the TVs every March uh, when I was working at the Onion, and you'll never find a bigger group of nerds than that bunch, myself included. Um, well, I know, but, you know, they're all, just, they're all just following, you know, like watching the moonwalk or something. It's stupid. That's right. That's right. I don't think, I don't think it's stupid at all. Do I really all. need to see East Podunk play someplace? You know, it's just, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. No, I think you hit on it. It's it's a uh, it's a culture wide event. I mean, not really, but it's a you know it's a big it's a massive event, and people like to watch it together. Uh, look, I'm not into no, it either. Nobody's but I don't... watching it together. <laughs> okay. No. Well, so you're not into the basketball, but I got a little something ready for you. Okay. Um, I thought we could do a game show bracket. I love this. Yeah, I thought you might. Um, so I've prepared eight game shows here and it's just a miniature bracket, but we're going to compete, have put them head to head one by one. And we're going to see who comes out. Okay. Okay. Um, so here's the first matchup jeopardy versus wheel of fortune. Who advances? I used to be a big wheel of fortune fan, but it just takes too long to play every game now. So, uh, I would say Jeopardy. What do you mean by that? Oh, it just, you know, spin the wheel, takes forever. Then we have to have all the commercials within the show. And yeah. here's a trip. And, it's you know, you end up playing, what, four puzzles or something. It's just not enough meat for me. Well, that's why they have those quickie puzzles, right? Toss-ups? Yes, but, you know, if you're not in the right frame of mind, they pass you right by. Okay, so you're going with Jeopardy on this one? Oh, Definitely. Okay, I think I'm with you. I mean, yeah, sure, I do love a Wheel of Fortune, uh, but uh, Jeopardy's an icon. It's going to be tough to beat, I think. Well, it stretches your mind a little bit. That's fun. You know, when you get something right, it's like, oh, my God, I can't (laughs) believe I remembered that. That's right. All right, so Jeopardy is the, let's call that the uh, Merv Griffin division right there. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, uh, now this is maybe the CBS Morning division here we've got the price is right versus let's make a deal and i'm talking we're talking all their incarnations for all of these right so this is let's make a deal going way back 
I think it has to be prices, right? It has to be, doesn't it? But these are, you know, I realized that these shows, maybe this is a dumb thing to say, but um, when I was preparing for an interview with uh, Wayne Brady on the TV show a couple of years ago, it really struck me how very similar uh, Let's Make a Deal and The Price is Right are, just in the sense that they have this huge assortment of games, but they're all pretty much, you know, they're very simple games at their core. It's just they're sort of amped up with music and production and whatnot. But The Price is Right yeah. is, um, it's so glorious. Well, and a lot of, of um, Let's Make a Deal is chance. You know, yeah, yeah, this one or that this one. or that. Yeah, this or that. And I think that gets a little old. And The Price is Right does at least, you know, it comes at the pricing from an astonishing number of angles. I mean, you can't believe how the dozens and dozens of games they, they've managed to get out of. How much is this thing? Right? Well, exactly. And, and, you know, I have to say that I feel like there's some sort of satisfaction if somebody makes uh, chooses a, a thing and you know it's wrong or you really think it's wrong. You know, it's a lot of fun to sit at home and say, well, I wouldn't have picked that. That's not the right one. Yeah. Uh, there's something about that. You're talking about for the prices, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it is more satisfying, a little more satisfying than saying, oh, I would have picked door number two. Because it's yeah. like, well, you didn't know either, dumbass. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. So the Price is Right moves on. Uh, the word game division here. Password, pyramid. Tough one. Ooh, Password, really we're going bad. back to Alan Ludden. Yeah. Uh, did it for the longest time. May he rest in peace. Password, we've seen any number of incarnations. Pyramid, yeah. really known for the Dick Clark version. There have been a couple other versions of that, but uh, I think that remains the uh, definitive version and i'm talking about the 80s dick clark ones with i'm I'm gonna pick pyramid yeah why it had a surprising amount of tenseness i know (laughs) for a game show that was you could really play along you know trying to think of the uh, Mm -hmm. things to list although it was very irritating when somebody would say something that was eh, kind of on the line sometimes not not often and and they were called on it. Yes, you would. I remember you getting frustrated at the judges. Um, the uh, yes. rule interpretation on pyramid could be a bit dodgy, you know, especially in that winner's circle, right? Which I right. think is the most suspenseful game show segment ever devised. I mean, pyramid is just one of the most suspenseful games anybody's ever come yeah. up with for TV. And, you know, you, you mentioned the play along value. Password's a, a fun game to play. You can play along. You can play it at home. Alan Ludden used to say, you know, try these words at, at your next party. See how you do yeah. with it. It's a, and because it's such a simple game, um, Pyramid's slightly more complicated, but I just think that the winner's circle bonus round may never be topped just in terms of sheer excitement okay. of trying to yeah. just name things you find in a kitchen cabinet or whatever the category may be, the That's silly right. things they have to come up with. That's right, because you're sort of trying to play a mind game uh, with somebody you don't really know, you know, you're, you're mm, trying to point. say, Hey, these are things that are in the kitchen drawer, knowing nothing about them. <laughs> right. Right. You have to rely on this uh, common experience experience. One of my, I've actually written about this uh, a long time ago on the AV club, but one of my favorite uh, winner circles clues ever, and this was to win a hundred thousand dollars in the tournament, which the, the categories would always be impossible, um, especially at the top in the, in the big hundred thousand oh. dollar tournament. Yeah. And um, Shelly Smith, maybe the greatest pyramid player ever, just a TV guest star, really minor celebrity, yep. but really good at this game. 
Um, the category bad. was things that are bound, which ugh, I don't know how, how you get that. Or I would say that, except that she said old fashioned Japanese women's feet and the player got it instantly. And, you know, lights, music, hooray, she wins. And you know what? It's not even uh, Japanese women's feet that are bound. It's Chinese women's feet. And I think on another oh. game show, you might take a second to think, ooh, do I have this right? Or, or what have you. But in Pyramid, that didn't matter. It just mattered getting the other person to say the thing, right? And Putting the idea in their head, yeah. You had to be a little shameless, and you had to be a little daring, and you didn't have time for caution on that show. I wonder if you could say something like an old man that ate a lot of popcorn. You couldn't say that. You could say a popcorn-eating old man. There you go. I'm not sure I would be able to get bound up from that, though. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't think of anything. And popcorn affects daddy that way, so that's why I said that. <laughs> okay. I'm sure he's glad to have to that broadcast to the world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our last first round matchup is uh, Wisdom of the Crowd, let's call this. It's Family Ooh. Feud versus Match Game. Well, I don't like the new Match Game. With Alec Baldwin. With Alec Baldwin. Yeah. But really, I think, again, just as Dick Clark is the iconic pyramid host, I think that Gene Rayburn is the iconic uh, Match Game host. That said, it is all incarnations, the whole world of Match Game and Family Feud. Family Feud, still going, has barely stopped um, since the late 70s when it debuted. Yeah, I'm going to pick Match Game. Why is that? Well, I guess because I can't really think beyond when Gene Rayburn did it, and there were no more iconic people, you know, than Charles Nelson Riley, who I absolutely loved. And, you know, they just, it, it was just a nice mix of, people. It was fun. Mm-hmm. They fooled around. They had some inside jokes and, you know, I felt like I was part of their party. So well, as much as I dislike Alec Baldwin's version, um, I think Gene Rayburn wins out. Mm. Okay. Um, Richard Dawson is turning in his grave right now. You're breaking well, his heart. He probably doesn't have much room because he really did. <laughs> balloon up there at the end and you know he was kind of creepy all that kissing of course he was of course he was yeah um you know i think i would have gone with family a few just because i think it's ultimately had more of an impact on the on the culture but if you're asking me which one i'd rather sit down and watch i guess i go with match game so uh but it's your bracket here so match game it is okay uh second round jeopardy versus the price is right I'm going to have to go with Jeopardy. Oh, wow. Wow. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Price is Right was my one seed. Really? Yep. Tell me why. Tell me why Jeopardy over the Price is Right. I should, I should state to everyone, totally arbitrary here. We have no rules for <laughs> any of this. We did not confer in advance. I sprung this on mom. So thank you for going along with it, mom. But there are no rules to any of this. So whatever your reasoning is, that's valid. I think that with Jeopardy, I've learned a lot about daddy, for one, Mm. because he is quite willing to shout out anything, you know, geography that, that he and I are both rather poor in. And he'll just be so confident that I won't even make a guess. And he'll be on the wrong side of the world. But uh, if, I, if I guess, sometimes he'll say, uh, well, 
he'll laugh or say, like, try or whatever. So that kind of cracks me up. And you do learn stuff. You do learn things. Mm -hmm. It does stimulate your mind. It does bring things up that you've learned that you have forgotten that you learned. And I enjoy that part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love Alex. We, we have some people that we dislike on the show. I will say we hate people that, that press their plunger maniacally. And yeah, yeah, we have a few. What about people who jump around the board, start at the bottom or bounce Uh, all over? I can't accept that. I can't accept that. You have to learn what the what the whole category is about. I love it when they pick in the middle and then they they don't even really understand it because they haven't started slowly. You know, they pick the hardest question, and I think you know you get what you deserve. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. But on the whole, it's such a quality show. It is. It is a quality show. I will object a little bit. You know, you learn things on the prices right too. You know, you learn that Del Monte green beans eighty nine cents. Now you know. <laughs> Okay, Jeopardy advances. The Price is Right has been left behind. Uh, Pyramid versus Match Game. Pyramid. Again, I think it's a little more. It's a little more challenging and makes you think. Mm. You can participate even if you're sitting on your couch all by yourself. Yeah, I mean that's true of Match Game too. I would say, but I, I I get it. It's a little brainier. Well, that's true too. But you know, there's so much stuff to laugh at, and that's just crap. So. Let's learn something. Okay, so you're going with uh, intellect over comedy here. I guess today, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you're in that kind of mood. Okay, fair enough. I would have gone with Pyramid, too. Yeah, I think you have to. Okay, final round. Who will be crowned champion of the 2019 Pop Mom Game Show Bracket? Pyramid or Jeopardy? I'm going to go with Pyramid. Wow, a surprise. I thought Jeopardy was the, was the winner for sure. No. Pyramid, because I just don't think there's any been anything that, that equals it. And it is a lot of fun. And if you can get your mind to work, you know, some people are probably really very good. I bet you're very good at this. You would be good at it. At Pyramid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm awesome at Pyramid. <laughs> uh-huh. you're, very good at, you're very good at, what is that game we play that you don't do words? Taboo. That you, no, the one, that we, the one that's like um, charades at the end. Oh, celebrities? Yeah. Yes. Do people know what that game is? Uh, they may have played it. Celebrities is the game where uh, every it's a group game. Everybody puts some names in a hat. You split up into two teams, and then you try to describe, draw slips, and you try to describe the names to your teammates. And then in the second round, you can only use one word, all the same people. And then in the third round, you go through all the same people again, but you can't say anything. That's the game. I just gave it to you. If you've never played it before, um, try it out at your next party. It is super oh, fun. Oh, my God. You will laugh your rear end <laughs> off. Um, although I'm not sure what that has to do with Pyramid, because uh, Pyramid is a game of words, and Celebrities becomes a game of shutting up. Well, Celebrity starts out as a, as a game of words. It's very hard to describe certain people and what they do, mm-hmm. and you know, because it's not just people that are popular today. It's people from... Um, you know, anywhere it's cartoons, it's anything. So you do, you do have to, it's timed, isn't it? Uh, Celebrities. Yeah, Yeah, of course it is. So there you go. I stand by my statement. Okay. So pyramid is the big winner. Ding, 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 ding. As you used to say, I really, (laughs) um, I really think that, uh, pyramid is maybe the best game show format anybody's ever come up with. 
It is just so tight yeah. and it produces results every time. It's fantastic. But nobody did it like Dick Clark. No, no. Um, and I wrote about why he was such a good host for the show. If you want to Google John Tatey, Dick Clark, obituary maybe. I believe it was an obituary, but uh, you can you can find that on the internet. Let me see if that actually comes up. If you type okay. in John Tatey, Dick Clark. <clears throat> yeah. So just type John Tatey, Dick Clark into the Google and you'll find out more of what I think of Dick. Or don't, you know. You're listening to the podcast. You can't be bothered to Google something. What am I even talking about? Shut up, John. Okay, fine, I will. Congratulations to Pyramid. Should we move on to our review for the week, Mom? Yes, we should. Okay. This week, Mom and I are talking about Shrill, based on a memoir of the same name by Lindy West. Shrill stars A.D. Bryant as a young internet journalist who slowly discovers her fierce, prideful side after a life spent as the ashamed fat girl. Bryant's character Annie is fed up with primped fitness nuts who express a condescending concern for her health boyfriends who make her sneak out the back gate, and a mom who has cajoled her into trying one pointless diet after another. Annie achieves a certain catharsis through her increasingly fiery online posts about life as a fat woman, but she also has to contend with backlash, both online and off. Here's a clip. This is nice, Mom. It's so peaceful and quiet. You know they found a meth hut over there in the woods a few years ago? <laughs> really? Yeah. It's okay now. They cleaned it out. They turned it into an information booth. Meth information, though, right? No, it's about the park. Oh, oh no. I have to remind your father to do his prednisone. Let me just text. Okay, but he has that alert on his phone, though. Yeah, but I just need to double check. Okay, but he's probably got it under control. Well, then I'd worry that he didn't have it under control, so it's just easier. It's just, it's for me. Anyway, it's just for me. Okay. Okay. But you know what makes me happy is that we're out here exercising. Yeah. You always feel better when you exercise. I can tell. It's easy, Annie. Just put it on the calendar and just stick to it. All right. Why are you saying that to me? You know, we were having such a nice time, and you just toss off a little comment like that? How does that make me feel? Okay. You said it, and I hear you. Good. All six episodes of Shrill's debut season are streaming on Hulu. Mom, did Shrill give you a thrill or a chill? Uh, mostly it made me nauseous. <laughs> really? Yeah. Tell me. I really, on, at first blush, in watching all the episodes, I said, oh, here's a show about accepting fat people. Mm-hmm. But... The more I watched it, I found it very hard to like her because of the choices that she made. She has a loser boyfriend. She has no voice in this relationship. She, her use of the morning after pill as a form of birth control is so irresponsible. And yet she wants everyone to like her because she feels the basis of people liking her is how she looks, which is what a lot of us think. You know, that for attractive, life is easier. But in reality, I think everybody has trouble, and you need to believe that. Mm -hmm. Of one sort or another. Of one sort or another. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you just, you don't know. Somebody might have an illness or, you know, family dysfunctions or anything. But, you know, everybody has something going on. 
And I found her character in this very distasteful and very irresponsible. And I found that I didn't like her, not because she was fat, but because she was so stupid. You know, to have so little insight into herself, instead of making any decisions for herself, she's just kind of rolling with with whatever life yeah. throws yeah. in her pocket. Um, and so, uh, so in the end, my conclusion was this isn't even about fat people. It's about stupid people, <laughs> um, which brought me to this idea. And this is the one I want to talk to you about. Okay. When I finished watching all this, I felt like the bigger picture of all this is how society seems to me to be hating groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't hate a group. You can't hate a group. It's ignorant. You have to hate individuals <laughs> in a group. Yes. Did I say that wrong? No, I just, well, I mean, <laughs> I think you have to treat people as individuals. I think maybe the object shouldn't be to hate anybody in particular, but yes, you're, you're, I get what you're saying. You should, if you have a problem with someone in particular, okay, that happens. That's life. We all experience that, but you can't just write off a whole, a whole group. Right. Yep. Right. And so that's what I thought. This was, this was like a little slap on the hand for all of us for judging fat people. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to tell you, when you get on the airplane and a very large man or woman comes along, every damn one of the people that are already on that plane that has a seat next to them is saying, don't be next to me. Don't be next to me. Not for anything personal. It's just that your space gets taken up. You know, so it isn't. You know, because you could talk to that person and find out that you like many things about them. It isn't that. Of course. It isn't that. Because, you know, like when I was in the hospital um, a couple of years ago and I had to have a blood transfusion, it could have come from anybody. Anybody could have saved my life then, you know? Yeah. So it could have been somebody gay or somebody yeah i get who, it who cares who yeah, cares i right. don't care so you can't hate a group and and that's more what i think this show should be about let me take the airplane example because i think you're right that everybody is thinking oh don't please don't sit next to me and i think the um redeeming part of this show is that it plays up and makes us more aware of the fact that, you know what, that person is walking down the aisle is feeling you thinking that and has felt people things like that their whole lives. And it's just sort of itched at them and, and, you know, gouged them just a little bit at a time. And that builds up and it shapes your opinion of yourself. It shapes how you interact with people that I'm all on board with. Right. And I, I think it's good that as a society we have over the past decade or so come to a better understanding of that. Um, So that I agree with the message and because I agree with the message, it's kind of why I don't like this, this, this show, which I don't, I don't care for it. Um, I'm not as angry at it as I was after the first couple of episodes, which I just thought were total duds. There were some redeeming moments toward the end, but 
there's too much preaching to the choir. And to me, there are too many characters who exist simply to remind us how correct uh, A.D. Bryant's character, Annie, is in her journey. I mean, her roommate, there's just hardly any characters on this show. Her roommate pretty much exists, pretty much exists only to encourage Annie and just tell her, you're right, you're right, you're right. Everything you believe is correct. And let's have another scene where we go through that again. God, like every episode has one of these scenes where she just sits there and is like, yep, yep, yep. She doesn't like, she doesn't like Annie's boyfriend, a slight source of tension that is played out in the most predictable fashion toward the end of the season. But here's an opportunity for complexity that they totally passed up. When Annie sleeps with her roommate's brother, who another sort of action, you know, I call these characters action figures when they're just sort of brought in to sort of, and you can almost see the hand of the writer or the director, whoever it may be, just sort of animating them to, you know, make the point that they want to make puppets. So in this one episode, the roommate's brother comes to town and he's exactly like her, perfectly polite, friendly. They have these boring memories that they laboriously recap for us. Oh, remember when we threw rocks off the bridge? Huh? Remember when, you know, you used to make college, us playlists in college. Like, I assume he knows that, but he's informed of this in an early scene so that we can have a later <laughs> scene where he makes a playlist, right? Yeah. So as soon as this guy comes in and I, you know, you get an idea of his personality in the first scene, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this guy is just like a carbon copy of the roommate who already exists. Why is he here in this episode? And of course, the answer was, oh, she's going to have sex with him. Like, there's no other possible reason for him to exist. And so she does. Annie gets up the next morning. Her roommate, Fran, now knows that Annie has slept with Fran's brother. To me, this is going to be a point of tension. They have a long friendship, the three of them, and this has just been disrupted. And nothing comes of it. You think something is going to. With any real human beings, it would. But. Fran just slips back into the, hey, you go, girl, you, you know, it's your world, you seize it. Yeah. I just feel like if you're, if you're asking us quite rightly to treat Annie and people like her as human beings, the same as anybody else, you have to populate your show with human beings. You can't just use these action figures to make your point. You have to make them with fully formed humans. And there's really not many fully formed humans on this show. That's a great point. That's a great point. I'm going to say this too, because this was, I don't think this part needed to be in there. Go ahead. The abortion. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that handled so cavalierly. So just, okay, moving right along. Uh, It's it's a bigger thing than that. I hope. Um, I guess everybody has their own experience of that. Um, I think that the show was trying to make a point by treating it so matter-of-factly. But, yeah, but I think my guess, Mom, is that that was the point, that it's just, it's something that happens and it's part of part of life. You can take well, that as a Well, then how am I supposed to have compassion for this woman who is, who is not careening, but just sort of rolling through life with no thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And th- like, we're supposed to be, look, I like AD Brian a lot. Uh, she's, yeah. I think she's hilarious. She's super talented. So I'm coming into this show. She's got a lot of goodwill built up, right? I'm ready to root for her. Yeah. But yeah, 
Yeah, mom, I think that's, I think you've hit on to me, what is the fundamental problem with this show is it's built around a character who the world happens to. And she, does she take a little bit of action toward the end of the season? Yes, she, she does. I mean, the, the last moment is her, you know, is a big moment of catharsis and transgression. Um, when, as she's dealing with this troll who has been hounding her online, you know, I'm going to say this also, John, I felt that Annie was acting. I felt like AD was acting. Hmm. I don't know how to say that differently, but I get it. I get it. There was, um, there was an artifice that you couldn't, you couldn't get around. That's right. Did Hmm. you have any of that? I'll have to disagree with you there, Mom, because I thought she gave a pretty naturalistic performance, and I thought she did the best she could uh, with the material she had, which, as mm-hmm. as I've discussed, I thought was pretty pat and uh, pretty flat. Oh, look at me, I'm rhyming. Um, <laughs> there is a the the first episode ends with her um, walking down the street, having had an argument with this trainer who was hounding her to. Um, you know, ex- come and oh, ex- train with me, yeah. right? And she's yeah. had this mild confrontation, um, sort of a half confrontation. She she sort of whispers, fuck you, under her breath and then shrinks away from it. But it comes to a head for her in a small way there. And the last shot is her walking down the street with a smile that kind of shakes just a little bit. It's a, She's smiling the whole time, but it wavers a little bit and her face doesn't always match the smile that I thought was one of 80s best moments because I could really feel the sort of who she's happy for herself for sticking up for herself, but she's also nervous and it made her feel bad to be yelled at. Like, it's just, I can feel those emotions swirling in her just through the way her smile, uh, smile wavers in that shot. Unfortunately, she doesn't do much, but smile. Right. And, and so I'm left with, she had a little brush with emotion, but inside she's no different. You know, I, I think this had less to do with being heavy than it did with a very dysfunctional person. Hmm. I think dysfunction is almost too interesting a word, Mom. Not, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I just think she's a boring person who doesn't really... She writes these articles, yes, but she... Like I said, I just was frustrated with how the world happened to her and how I was not the series acted like I was gaining sympathy for her as as she went along. And we saw yet another scene where someone said the wrong thing about her weight to her. And she, you know, tried to um, maintain a stiff upper lip about the whole thing like enough. Like it's I just felt like saying this is not doing to me what you think it is. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that was the disconnect for me is that you're trying to make me feel a certain way, which is what I came here for, but you missed the mark. You missed the mark. Totally. That's right. You came, that's absolutely right. We were ready, right? We were receptive. Most definitely. Yeah. I just sitting back and let it rip. I feel like it's a show that is made for the people who already agree with it. And 
So you'd think it would be made for me because I agree with the commentary and the, the point of view and the, the sort of um, social politics underlying the show. But I think I said preaching to the choir earlier, and I really felt like that. I felt like it was a show yeah. that wasn't trying to move anybody. It was just sort of um, wallowing in its rightness. And yeah. I just don't, that doesn't do anything for me. And if you get a kick out of it, bully for you. But I, I find it irritating because I get fed up with uh, the left in this country and the sort of satisfaction of being correct. And as a yeah. guy who thinks, who on the whole generally thinks that liberal ideas are good ones, or at least the ideas worth talking about, I am disappointed when I see them presented in as a fait accompli like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other part that's frustrating is that it is a good thing to talk about. I, I think it is a good thing to talk about that, you know, we talk about the the hate that's going on with the with the Jewish people and the mm. black people and whatever. And here, here was a squandered opportunity to engage people, I think. To engage people in respect to those other uh, prejudices, you mean? Well, you know, maybe it could have started with fat people or and maybe, you know, then we bring in something else that, you know, just to show that people that we're, we're all humans and we're all worthy. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, the show really does focus on body size, which fine. I think that's an acceptable choice. But, you know, it's an interesting point you make because everybody else in the show is so thinly drawn. Maybe they have their own issues and they get they get at this a little bit in sort of the closing minutes of the last episode. But maybe all these other people have their own issues and their own prejudices they're dealing with and. I do think that even if you're going to focus on the plus size issue, which is worthy of focus, um, it could even be informed and enriched by a more layered, more varied perspective. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's, as you say, talking about other, you know, other forms of frustration uh, in talking about other people's problems. Right. Right. That's right. You know, and, and, and do a good job on this one. You know, you can, you can win people over, but there, there, it lacked heart. It lacked, yeah. it lacked nuance. Did we already say that? No, but it's true. It just, it was careless in, in what it could do. I think to me, it was, it was sad. It was just sad. It's like, to me, it was like going and getting a, a, a great pair of jeans that you bring home and they fit and they make you look pretty and you're all excited and then you put them in the washing machine and they shrink four sizes and they fall apart and they're just crap. And that's what I thought this show did. Hmm. Interesting metaphor to employ given the subject matter of the show. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I just, it just didn't deliver. It just didn't deliver. It didn't deliver. So, uh, you know, I feel embarrassed for them because well, I they did such a terrible job. <laughs> I don't think you need to feel embarrassed for them. First of all, we're in the minority. Um, the Oh, are we? Oh. Yeah. The, I mean, it hasn't been universal acclaim, but it's gotten pretty good notices. I will say that a lot of their reviews said, um, you know, Hulu's really got something with potential here. Hope it's a, you know, hope it's renewed for a second season. 
I feel like if you had six episodes of TV, it should be more than a ramp up. But it did like things got going in the last 10 minutes of the last episode. Right. Like this is stuff yeah. that should have happened in the first two episodes and give yeah. me something to watch. Instead, we spent time on the boyfriend, Ryan, taking care of the dog who ate mushrooms. I mean, I was just sitting here thinking, why am I watching this? What? Oh, my God, Johnny, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. And of course, you know, this was sad. This was sad to me because there's the next door neighbor watering her plants, watching this guy roll around in the grass in the nude. And it's, we've seen it a million times. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. So there was a, but there were a bunch of, um, I also think of the, uh, the computer nerd who comes in in the last couple episodes, right? She's played by Joe Firestone, who to me is one of the funniest people on earth. Um, I was lucky enough to, um, worked with Joe Firestone a couple times. Um, she played Pick a Choice uh, a couple times with me, my old uh, sort of miniature mm. game show uh, that I did on the website yeah. and on the yeah. movie club TV show. And she was the best player because uh, it's it's just an improv game, basically. Um, it's improv in sort of a game show container, and she was great at it. And so I see her pop up on the screen, and I just think, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in this show about uh, discarding stereotypes and, uh, you know, not putting people in, in your own pigeonhole. Here's this computer nerd who's just, she's written like every computer nerd ever. And yes, she's a woman that's unusual. And she talks about, um, being a woman who likes video games on the internet and how difficult that is, which lit me up. Like I sympathize with that. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. here we go. We're going to talk about this. And but it's a throwaway line, and then she's just um, she's just the nerd, and I just the central casting nerd. I just felt like your values have got to permeate the show. They can't yeah. just apply to A.D. Bryant's character only for this to be a coherent work of art to me. And I it just it was too lazy with too many of the characters. Well, I thought I wrote too sloppy. Sloppy. Hmm. Well, I get it. It's not the word I would use. I think it was pretty tidy, but I think it was tidy in the way that um, like a Motel 6 room is tidy, right? Not a lot of personality in the tidiness. Well, maybe a lot of Motel stories, though. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's a lot, of, a lot of lore maybe hidden in that, uh, in that hotel room. Anyway, yeah, this was a disappointment. Yeah, I, I agree. I had high hopes, especially since you picked it. <laughs> wow, you really slipped in the dagger at the end there, huh? It's all my fault. Hey, you know, you got to take credit, take responsibility. Yeah, I was really optimistic about this because of the people involved, but I just think it needed some more time in the oven. I don't yeah. know if they bothered to put it in. <laughs> It might just be a wow, circle of dough. Wow, a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. All right, well, what's your grade for Shrill Mom? Uh, I'm going to give it a good solid D. Yeah, okay. All right. You have a recommendation for us this week, Mom? I do. My recommendation is to watch, and I hope that maybe we'll review this, it's, um, a show called After Life 
by Ricky Gervais. You may have heard of him. Oof. It made me cry. He has lost his wife, who he loved very deeply, and he watches her a lot on his computer. She sent messages while she was alive, and, and he just watches them. And he works at a little local newspaper, and uh, they go out and, and do ridiculous stories about, you know, one is a man that is a hoarder, and he just wants them to come. He wants to be in the paper so badly. And uh, they finally go to his house, and it's full of crap. And he visits his father every day at the nursing home and um, just mourns his wife very much. But it's very heartwarming eventually. And uh, I, I, really, I really loved it. I thought it was funny, and I enjoyed it so much. And I wish you would give it a try. Okay. Ricky Gervais, though. Oof. Oh, come on. Oof. Listen, Johnny, I watched Girls where there was sexual things that I didn't even know existed. So you can watch one episode of Ricky Gervais not fisting anyone. <laughs> okay. Are you there still? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough? Fair enough. Um, Put yourself together. Is the first usage of fisting on the show? I think it might be. No, it is not because when we did girls, we talked about that. Yeah, but we did we did girls for TV. I don't know if they would let me say fisting on the TV show. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know what to do about it now. All right. Well, I'll think about doing afterlife, but oof. just do one. Just I do one. Yeah, but I can't talk about one on the podcast. I have to watch at least a couple. I mean, my God, I didn't finish Russian Doll, and that continues to hound me. Yes, I know. Well, do it. <sighs> Too many shows. It's what twenty twenty two minutes of something? Oh no! It's well, you, you ugh, yeah, you have to do that. I promise I'll get to it. All right. Um, so uh, maybe afterlife, we'll see. We'll talk. No, about it. no, we'll talk not about it maybe. We'll talk about it off the air. Okay. That's all for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, Mom? <laughs> about Ricky Gervais's afterlife. All right, we'll see. We'll talk about it off the air. Thanks for listening. Right. If you enjoy wait, the... Wait, wait, yeah. We'll talk about something There you go. Okay. We don't want to... There was pandemonium among the fans <laughs> when we forgot to do that one week, so we better get it in. We'll talk about something interesting. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends, leave us a review on your favorite podcast provider. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.